You think we take an American holiday off here on the Owls Americast, Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with an American accent. And we could have just popped in next week, but how often do you get to discuss back-to-back Wednesday league wins? Not very often since it hadn't happened since August. And they hadn't won from behind at home since December 2019 with a stoppage time winner, no less. It's a very special occasion. A special occasion calls for a special whiskey. So I have picked up a bottle of George Dickel Bottles and Bonds this year's version. It's a 13-year. The uh, 2019 version, the original 11-year, won uh, both Whiskey Advocate and Wine Spectator's Whiskey of the Year. It is a Tennessee whiskey. It is not bourbon. It is a heavy corn mash bill. Very nice. Uh, Notes of maple syrup and oak. I just poured myself a little snifter's worth, about an ounce and a half, that I can sip on as we discuss two Wednesday wins. I know you're not supposed to look at the table until Christmas, but I'd take a little peek. Apparently they're in fifth. Hopefully fifth at Thanksgiving won't carry the same weight as third at Christmas, but to perhaps put a damper on things as he so often does. In Queens, it's James Allen. James, what are you drinking? Hey, Jeff. Happy Thanksgiving. Well, happy early Thanksgiving. Um, look, if it's the uh, it's the start of the festive season in America, this is the official mark, mark of the start of the holiday, so we can absolutely look at the table. Um, what am I drinking? So, kind of against type, I'm uh, normally I come onto the podcast with something um, hip, uh, New York, and small batch craft brewery, um, and instead I'm coming on with a bottle of very traditional English ale. Um, I went to do some pre-Thanksgiving shopping at Trader Joe's yesterday. I guess that's kind of the uh, the hip New York thing to do. Um, and discovered a bottle of Samuel Smith's Winter Welcome Ale, 2021-2022 special edition. Um, and I normally look straight past Samuel Smith's, but it kind of had this little guy in a bowler hat on it looking very, uh, very sort of festive. Um, the label says, this seasonal beer is in lim- a limited edition brewed for the short days and long nights of winter. It's been pretty cold recently, so that ca- caught my attention. The full body results from the fermentation in Yorkshire squares. Uh, and the luxurious malt character will appeal to a broad range of drinkers, balanced against the whole dried, fuddle and golding hops with nuances and complexities that should be contemplated before an open fire. You really can't get much more of a festive description than that. So I'm giving it a whirl. And it's a, um, it's a Yorkshire strong ale at the massive six percent ABV, so um, actually lighter than the average IPA over here. So I'll uh, I'll report back later on. But actually, so far so good. It's it's not a bad British basic multi ale. So uh, we'll see where we go. Sometimes you need some uh, some classic British performances, James. And we have a couple to discuss. Certainly, classic Yorkshire performances that we've seen, but with slightly different endings. Perhaps we will review at the Gillingham and. Well, they played a uh, yesterday. That's how this is how good we got. I was going to hope that we would talk about the uh, Accrington game, Jeff. Oh, the Accrington, I mean, the, all these, Jill, all these Jill small, like all the, they all they all blend together. All these League One weird names and small pitches. They all uh, they're exactly the same to me. All right, we'll talk about the Accrington Stanley and NK Don's game. I've barely touched this whiskey, so we're off to a good start. Uh, and we will start with the Accrington Stanley game. Uh, a three-two win. A uh, imperious first twenty-five minutes. Something you have not being able to say about Sheffield Wednesday's uh, performances lately. Uh, my thumbs up is going to be, I, you go a couple different ways. It was on balance, a really good performance and deserved three points. They could have had six or seven easily and scoring three for Wednesday nowadays is reason to celebrate alone. But I'm going to go specifically with the interplay between Liam Palmer and Theo Corbino. Uh, you know, two 
players playing out of position. Uh, Corbino is, I mean, <laughs> winger, wing back, how you want to find it. Uh, not I, ideally you push him a little more forward he's you know he gets back he's an active defender i would not call him necessarily a uh, fullback quality defender but you know liam palmer a central defensive midfielder turned right back turned to left center back and he was again really pushing forward pushing the ball you know making runs from deep and interplaying with, you know, Corbinell, of course, for the most notably for the give and go for the first goal, but also to set up or for the second goal, but also to set up uh, Canberry's little flick on the third. It was a beautiful little pass to put it in defeat there, as it were. Um, and just he is really driving the attack from the from the back line at this point. And just defenses don't know how to handle them. They just they drop off because like that's what you do when a center back is marauding usually unless it's you know nigel pearson or something they, they were fantastic weren't they um i mean i think you're right to call out their interplay but but actually there were a whole series of of kind of connections that seemed to be it was almost like watching sparks happen across the squad on saturday um i thought massimo luongo and, and barry bannon were, were superb in the middle um it was it was actually good to see the way that Corbino and and Camberi linked up at, for a time, and then Gregory um, later on in the game. It yeah, it, it it was it was a thrilling first thirty minutes, wasn't it? Um, mm. Kind of almost like it was like a finally the, uh, talking of sparks, like Wednesday's season ignited in in pretty spectacular fashion. Like we'd all been slumbering here for three months, and then finally we found what we were expecting to see from the off. It was um, it was really exciting to watch. Yeah, I almost did mention, I think they've found their midfield three and Bannon, Fizz, and Luongo, assuming Luongo can stay fit. Because he does just offer, you know, over both games, I only watched a little bit of the MK Dons game, but Luongo is just such a steady presence in that midfield they don't have otherwise. And he really does do the little things. His positional awareness is really good. But... Yeah, I mean, look, they they conceded twice. They were both, uh, you know, very typical uh, Wednesday goals to let in. But they never, they probably should have had more, but they never, weirdly, they never, and never really thought this one was going to a draw for whatever reason, to me at least. Well, that kind of brings me to my thumbs up, Jeff. So yeah. my, my thumbs up from Saturday was that's the game that I've been wanting to see week in week out in league one so I, I don't mind if we win three two as long as we win <laughs> but there was so there was so much about that game to enjoy from the way that we started the game with with pace with aggression high press you know really with our tails up and and committing to, to going after not just the first the second but the third um but also the the whole atmosphere i mean you know huge credit to accrington that that stadium is is kind of the epitome of what you want in league one you know small tight ground actually really well developed for, for the size of the club that they are um wonderful open terrace rain blowing furiously from left to right you know you could see the wednesday fans who were in one end and in the entire side on the other side getting absolutely drenched throughout it but loving the experience and yeah you know and they they came back back at us and and we conceded a couple of silly goals neither goal is a goal that a team with some of the defenders that we have we should be conceding but you know it's wednesday but we we clung on in there and and i wouldn't have said we could have had another we could have had three or four more i mean if um if Callum Patterson had kept his head about him on a couple of occasions. He could have had a he could have had a hat trick easily. 
Um, so yeah, I, I just really enjoyed the game and I can't remember the last time I sat through an entire game and thought this was fun. It was a fun game to watch. Yeah, I don't, I'm trying to think of a thumbs down here and I guess you could go in a couple different ways. Like the def- defending wasn't great. You know, they, they, they've put the, you know, this is not a team that should really be threatening as much as they were. Um, they were sort of, the marking was haphazard at times. The overall performance was a little, like, again, they almost, I thought the first goal went in. It apparently went off the stanchion, but it sure looked like it went in. And then, of course, once they hit back and it was an offside goal from Kim Barry early on. But, you know, you put it away at three, and I, they, to their credit, they didn't sh- they didn't really set up shop at three nothing. They kept playing the way they really had been, and they and they pushed really into the last you know ten minutes or so, which you know fair enough. But it just it never quite felt dominant outside of the of the three goal stretch. It was very pretty. It was a, like a great game for the neutral, I think overall too. But I just. You know, you really want to see them put one of these teams like truly to the lash and they didn't weren't really able to do that completely. It wasn't a it was like you can pick out a dozen great moves in the attacking half, which is probably more than we've had in the previous 17 matches up to that point. But it, it did not feel like a complete performance to me, I guess is my thumbs down. No, it wasn't. It wasn't a complete performance. It was. Um, it had all the hallmarks of a Kevin Keegan era Newcastle. Mm. You know, kind of charging forward, some beautiful interplay at times, and some great individual skill. And we should. There's not enough thumbs up actually to to kind of cover those. We'll go into them in a second. But, but yeah, we we look weak at the back. I mean, the, the second goal in particular. Um, I think it's actually Palmer who just simply doesn't close his man down, yeah. gives him far too much time to turn. Uh, it's kind of like a slow and. It well executed Nihu against Preston. Um, good finish, but he should never be able to get the shot away. So yeah, that that's that's got to be the thumbs down. It is it is still a lax defence. Um, but actually, I, I'm going to keep harping on the positive, Jeff, despite your intro earlier on. So, you know, look at the quality of that finish from Camberry. I mean, you think about the stick that Camberry occasionally gets for his speed of movement, but the speed of thought in getting on the end of that ball and and just chipping the goalkeeper with that deft touch. It was it was a beautiful thing. So. You know, you put all that together and you 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 get some sense of the team beginning to click. And then, you know, when we talk about MK Dons in a few minutes, I think you'll see even more progression on that. Yeah, I know I, I mentioned Corbineau already, but I want to just sort of cite him again because I, I was thinking about it. And this is probably, you know, he's 19, uh, Premier League youth player. We're never going to see him again. I mean, we'll see him again, but he'll be playing in the Premier League. Like he's he's going to be a very very good player like you can see what he's capable of now and yes they're they're league one fullbacks but even actually they put two three guys on him and he tortures them all week in week out Um, you know he still needs to be a little more uh clinical with his crosses like his decision making crosses finishing he's still a little can be a little scattershot there but just the the level of talent is obvious but i was thinking like sort of the players we talked about and like the you think about like who are the best players we've seen in recent years, you know, Buendia for Norwich and those kind of like really tricky wing type players. And, you know, who doesn't, I think, uh, I think uh, Robin, John Pearson mentioned this on the, on one of the broadcasts, like, like who does, everyone loves watching that kind of wing play. It's just so much fun to watch. 
Uh, and I was thinking about it today, and I'm just like, is Theo Corbino the best player in this league? He probably isn't, but I had to at least think about it. You know what? It, let's see how the season pans out. He he could end up being the certainly the flair player of this league. Um, there are players who are going to week in week out do more for their respective clubs. And by the way, I I I think and I'll, I'll talk about it in the case of MK Dons. I still think Barry Bannon should be a name on the team of the season for League One if he asserts himself correctly because he is, he is a class above as a as a central midfielder. He has had two very good games, and I think a lot of that is due to having Luongo and Fizz in that midfield that offer two very different things, but two very things that he does not have to do now. Hundred percent. And and let's. I mean, we we've had a long record of talking about the problem of the the midfield pivot. It works when you have that balance of those three in there. And, mm. and notably on, on Tuesday night, last night, we had George Byers in there instead of Massimo Longo. And, and obviously we're still nursing the Longo back to fitness. But it works when you have a genuine defensive midfielder, when you have Bannon with more scope for the free abandon and when you've got a, the drive of Fizz. And, and Fizz is really beginning to look now like the player that I think we all hoped he could be when we when we brought him in mm-hmm. you know, from City. He's... He seems leaner, hungrier, more aggressive. He still drifts in and out of games more than he should do. Whereas Luongo, you just saw how he was snapped in it from the outset against uh, Accrington on Saturday. But but yeah, that that trio is is exactly what we need from a, a functioning midfield for Wednesday, um, as opposed to the um, sort of misfit, incompatible parts that we've been seeing for for the last couple of months. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing that I've noticed most about Fizz is his decision-making is getting better. Like, he can he releases the ball more quickly if it's not there. And the other thing is just, you can't get the ball off him. He's so physical. And so, like, there's no midfielder in this league, there's no center back in this league that can really muscle him off the ball if his touch is there and his, uh, you know, if his feet are there. Jeff, this this is going to be a remarkably positive podcast. Yeah. I mean, I, I was about to say they're, for, they're for five Fizz points in off midfield. The top. Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about Che Dunkley at centre back as well yeah. because two, again, two games and he's he's been outstanding for his presence in the air. Now we're gonna, we should talk about Che Dunkley's distribution <laughs> from the back. There was a thumb, another thumbs down on, against Accrington. Yeah. It was a couple of those balls out from the back weren't yeah. anywhere near as precise as they needed to be. But put that to one side. I thought Dunkley was superb in both games. Um, you know, just the the command of the back line and his, um, you know, his threat from corners. Yeah. Can, can we actually talk about the fact that Wednesday are a threat from corners all of yeah. a sudden? I mean, this is a, a sea change from anything we've seen in the last couple of years. I do think that, you know, you can certainly talk about what Dunkley can't do. He's not the paciest center back. He said his distribution always isn't great. But, you know, for he's had to basically be the actual only center back in a center back three with wingers and fullbacks and everything else and they like yeah they've conceded some bad goals uh you know they still have looked shaky on set pieces in, in part because they don't have really anyone else other than Dunkley that's particularly good in the air but yeah I mean he certainly marshaled that back line as best as you can marshal a back line with four wingers playing alongside you <laughs> I'm gonna wonder how that conversation goes in the dressing room change just just look after Marvin Johnson for you for us he's uh <laughs> He's going to be here for a while until he got injured, of course. But, but that opened the door for Liam Brennan, and uh, and again, another player who's had a really good couple of games as he's come into the side. Yeah, I thought he's been pretty comfortable uh, 
like Palmer marauding forward, his distribution is a little bit better than, than Dunkley's is as well. And just give them a little bit, uh, you know, he's still not the, you know, the seasoned steely center back that you might want at this level, but I think he'll get there. I think it's a good opportunity for him to get some reps in that regard. And we'll move on to the MK Dons game. And I was, you know, it's Tuesday before holidays. I had to run some errands. I'm like, all right. I got back beginning of the second half, checked Twitter, scrolled through. Uh, I, I saw a Dom Housen tweet. I don't know how Wednesday haven't scored. And I just thought, Dom, you've watched about as much of this team as I have. I think you probably can figure it out by this point that this is what they, they don't score. <laughs> this, is, this is those kind of games, you know, where they have all the opportunities and yeah, don't score. And then uh, Twine hits a absolute thunder bastard from 30 yards out as Justin alluded to last week in the preview. And it's just always been one of those Wednesday games where they dominate and then give up a, I won't even call it a bad goal per se, but give up a goal and just sort of don't have enough in them to come back. And here we are, 2 1 win. Uh, you know, very. So for me, I only saw the last few minutes of it. But the thing that stood out for me and my thumbs up for this game is just going to be patience. When Wednesday have been chasing games like this in previous years, we've all seen it. It's it's just running around, no plan, running to the byline, whipping in corners, and especially the move for the final goal. Like Luongo and Bannon just kept waiting and waiting and waiting to pick their spot. You know, Corbino waited until he had the chance to move into space. You know, Windass, who's obviously been out for months, uh, I think one thing they've lacked in that sort of, whether it's a the number 10 or second striker position, is just that he has that intrinsic intrinsic striker sense of positioning and where to be in the box to find space just a little bit. He, you can see the way he sort of moves off the ball as Corbin is running onto it, just checks his run a little bit, takes a step back and puts himself in perfect position. But again, they just waited and waited until the opportunity presented itself. And then, you know, uh, I saw a lot of a lot of talk today about uh, the Liverpool goal as being like in the Champions League, the goal of the year. I'm like, yeah, fine. It was a nice right footed strike into the bottom corner. But, you know, unless you uh, dummy it up to yourself with your left foot first, I can't really consider it a true uh, push cast uh, consideration. Uh, there's so much to unpack, Jeff. Yeah. Um, finishing, starting where you finished with the uh, Windass dummy. Uh, the best part of that is um, <laughs> our dear friend of the pod, Peter Lohman, tweeted, you know, surely that was uh, was accidental. Um, not according to Windass himself. So uh, his Twitter account says, no, that was entirely intended by retweeting Peter Lohman. So, uh, <laughs> so that was a nice little bit of interplay between the uh, the Wednesday squad and our podcast fraternity. But um should be fraternity, should it? It should be. What's the what's the gender neutral alternative to a fraternity or sorority? You can just say club, probably. Let's call it podcast club. Thank yeah. you. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, so I said earlier on that Accrington was kind of a really fun game. MK Dons was a really serious Wednesday performance, and and for a couple of reasons. So, so my thumbs up. Yeah, I love your point about patience. I would have actually kind of twisted it slightly and said that we turned up the intensity throughout the game. We were competitive in the first 20 minutes, but so were MK Dons, and they're a good side in this division. By the end of the first half, there was only one team that should have been leading, and that was Wednesday. Um, the goal they scored after halftime, 46th minute, you know, it comes out of nothing. It's a wonderfully executed strike, and there's nothing you can do about it. But from that moment on, there was only one team that was going to score 
the next goal in the game, and that was Wednesday. And we had infinite chances. I mean, I've literally lost count of, of how many chances we had to score. I mean, Gregory should have, have, have tapped one in from two yards. We had, you know, chance after chance. Um, but we kept on turning up the intensity on, on MK Dons. They faded from the game. And when we brought Luongo on, that was the real turning point where, you know, his his intensity, his willingness to be in the face of the first ball just simply gave us even more momentum. Um, and I think Moore deserves a lot of credit. We, you know, we often question some substitutions. They don't always make sense to us. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the last two games, he brought Jaden Brown on against Accrington, who actually did a good job when we were all kind of wondering, you know, is that the right substitute for, for Corbiner? Um, But on Tuesday night, bringing on the Wongo and, you know, getting, getting that result out of the team, I, th- I thought was outstanding. Um, he just judged it right. The point where Baez was fading from the great game, we needed more intensity. Um, and we uh, we brought it brought it through from there. Yeah, I think you can also uh, another potential thumbs up is just it, it it feels more like a complete squad now, right? With Luongo and and Byers and Windass back in it, like this feels like the team we expected coming into the season. I know there's still injuries. There's always injuries. You know, Marvin Johnson is out. Sam Hutchinson is out. You can go up and down and. Uh, 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 you know, Dennerin's going to be out for a while. Dominic Iorfa. So th- they are still a little thin at the back, obviously, but it does yeah. feel more like the team that one of us thought was going to finish first in League One. And hey, they're only five points off that now. I thought you were looking at the table, Jeff. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the interesting thing is Iorfa walks back into that squad. Yeah, right? no, absolutely. So you know, no, no question, he's he's in the first choice squad. But at this point, would you would you have Hutch even fit in over Luongo? I wouldn't, and it's no it's no detriment. Well, to I think you'd probably I play Hutch. Hutch. I mean, work. I don't know if they if they go back to a a four two three one once they have two healthy first choice center backs, or if you would have Hutch in a in a center back three with Iorfa and Dunkley. I don't know exactly how you wanna you wanna play the tactics. If you can score like they scored the last two games, it doesn't really matter who they play at the back because again, they've been playing wingers. Yeah, just a word on those goals, by the way. I mean, um, Lee Gregory, like, he's a proper striker, isn't he? Like, just the the nonchalance of that little flick header for the for the first goal, it's just, it's like he knew he was going to score a goal that evening. Didn't really he matter when a, it was He scored a couple like that this year now. Yeah, and it, it just gives you confidence, right? It just mm-hmm. kind of, you made a comment earlier on about um, Windass knowing where to stand in the box, knowing where the ball's going to drop. If you put that together with Canberra's finished against Accrington, like those three rotating with Corbineau behind them, they're a threat. Okay. Um, but but Windass coming back in, there's the difference, right? I mean, he he just looked like a menace. You know, from the word he came, the moment he came on, he he was he was running hard at the defenders. He kind of he got his head down. He clearly got a mood for it. And if you heard his post match interview, um, it feels like he's kind of got this pent up aggression ready for this league. You know, he's made the call to stay with Wednesday. He could have moved in the summer. He wants to score a hat full of goals and he wants to have fun doing it. And and I like that. I, I want players he, he to play very, uh, I always like the just stand there and like stare down celebration. It's like, yep, I did that. Yeah. And like whether he meant it or not, the finish was outstanding. Oh, yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. I mean, even if he didn't mean it, which I'll take him at his word that it, it, he dummied it to himself, regardless, hypothetically, to have the presence of mind after just absolutely theoretically uh, scuffing it to just change feet and rifle it into the bottom corner. Like it was nothing. 
that's uh that's like a true strikers mentality right sensational strikers mentality and it was you were saying about the, the point about patience and build up so you kind of you roll that roll that tape back two minutes um and it was kind of funny because i was watching it and it was it was literally buffering as the play was going forward so you know bannon's kind of switching it back as forth as luongo trying to find the pass and, and then it would buffer and i, I was like is the ball going to go? Are they going to clear it? Then they managed to get Corbino in. Then it buffered again. Then it buffered again when the ball was above Windass's head. So I still didn't know if he was going to ping it in the corner or not. But where I was kind of going with that is that whole move and the time in the game and the reaction, it had that feel of Kieran Lee against Bristol City way, mm. way, way back when. Um, and that's the last time I can really remember a Wednesday squad that had that same sort of sense of... We're, be- we're better than if we continue to play our game, we continue to play the ball in the right areas, we will create the chance and we will get the goal. So, yeah, just, just so many positives to take out of the last two games. Seriously, Jeff, I think um, we're a work in progress, but finally we're showing signs of life. And on that note, we'll take a break. we come back, we'll do the Wednesday news and preview the upcoming Wickham and Hartlepool games. Now it's time for some Wednesday news and because you can never have enough backline depth and because we only play wingers at backline, Wednesday I find another winger. Uh, uh, Nathan Mendez-Lang, who's been on uh, in trial for the last few weeks, has officially upped with the club. Uh, how does he fit in in a squad that like so-so can't even get in and at this point? Uh, James, other than possibly he'll be playing left center back against uh, Wickham this weekend. With the speed at which we accumulate injuries, you could never have enough of anything, can you? Mm. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be honest, Jeff. You've got me flummoxed on where does he fit within this squad? Um, does Darren Moore think he can do a job when needed? Clearly. Um, and he must have shown something in training to suggest that, you know, maybe there's a maybe there's an option there, you know, slightly more muscular kind of direct player perhaps than some of the more um technical wingers that we've got at the moment um i believe he can play down the left and and you know i think that that gives us an option if we do switch corbino into an alternative position or if maybe you know we feel that maybe corbino is playing too many games at the moment we've kind of taken him from nothing to a lot very quickly um but yeah i um <laughs> it, it wouldn't have been the position i was looking to strengthen first and foremost when we're playing you know one recognized center back but hey yeah, yeah, he did. I, I believe back. he did say in one of his uh, press availabilities that they're looking to sign another defender. So, I mean, it's you know they gotta gotta make it to January, I suppose. I'm sure strengthening the the back line will be a priority, even though that's about when they think Iorfa and Hutch will be back. At you know, two players that have certainly had uh, their fair share of injury issues over the years. I would not necessarily count on them for the for the stretch run. And the current first choice healthy center back is coming off two broken legs. So. <laughs> Never, uh, never a bad idea to strengthen there. And they look, then you can certainly evaluate when you when you get to the window and, and go from there. And they do have a very crowded fixture schedule coming up, as is tradition, as we enter the festive period. And we do start with Wickham, a team very familiar to Wednesday, who was relegated along with Wednesday from the championship last year. Justin has put some notes in the doc for us. They like a 4-4-2 with a consistent back four. Imagine that. 
and rotation everywhere else. Long balls to get up the field, crosses, like to play in the opponent's half. Garrett Ainsworth has been there since 2012, loves a mullet and leather jackets, and they did just beat Plymouth to move, uh, I believe, even on points uh, and second on goal difference. Yeah, uh, it was actually a really impressive win midweek. I mean, um, yeah. I, I'm not sure if it was 3-0 or 2-0 in the end, but either two way, it was, away, it was away at Plymouth. And, um, you know, Wednesday know full well that <laughs> going away to Plymouth is not a uh, not a place that you get a result very easily. So, uh, fair play to Wickham. They've actually had a, a tremendous start to the season. They've mm-hmm. um, they've been the most effective, you know, arguably of um, of all the relegated sides. Although Rotherham certainly would give them a run for their money on that that shout. Um, I can't believe I'm saying it. You know, this is a team that's above us in the table that have had a better start to the season. Wednesday, they've got to go and uh, up their game to get a result against Wickham. Um, yeah, I, honestly, given that goes. given the run of form right now, I know they're at home. I would probably take a draw here because you just want to keep momentum going yeah um, you don't want to lose um it's also wickham in which case it is also no we should go and win the game i mean you know we've been incredibly slow to start this season but we're coming off two good results and we should beat wickham but i've 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 learned over many months now and i think with justin's able coaching to uh, to take more than a dose of humble pie and uh, and recognize that these teams are well structured well organized and mm-hmm. they score goals and um yeah we, we've got to take it very seriously in that respect jeff a draw would not be a bad result in the context of the season ahead no and you know uh mk dons i think was a was a good test the team close to wednesday in the table they uh, organized well drilled like they weren't uh, from what i watched the extended highlights back like it really did look like one-way traffic for most of the game, but I did not think they were particularly, they did not look dire or anything. Oh, well, they uh, weren't. And, right. and particularly first half, they got in behind us a couple of yeah. times. And if you know, with, dangerous, yeah, with, with better accuracy that they could have been, they could have had a couple of goals first half and, yeah. and we wouldn't have had an argument with it. What was great about the way Wednesday played was they, they drove them back to the point where they weren't really a threat. Um, but yeah, MK Dons are a serious side. They'll be in and around the playoffs as will Plymouth, and we've found that we're not particularly affected against them <laughs> over the course of three games. Now we've got to find out where, you know, where Wickham are in the mix. But you look across the table as a whole, you know, we've played Sunderland now, we've played Rotherham, we've played Wigan. Those are the teams that are going to be there or thereabouts yeah. based on, on form, based on trajectory. Um, there isn't a team in this league that we should fear, but we clearly are not head and shoulders above anybody. So every game is going to be a scrap and I hope that it's the squad take the learnings from the last two games, which show playing with more aggression, playing on the front foot, we can create chances, we can score goals. We've got the players for that. And then we've got to tighten things up and, and show that actually probably our strongest card in defence is to be uh, is to be more assertive and keep the other team penned in. It is just sort of peering ahead to the upcoming schedule for the festive period. They have some interesting... Games. I don't think it's a particularly tough schedule. You know, they're away to crew or bottom of the table. Home games against Accrington and Burton should be very winnable. The trips to Portsmouth and Sunderland are going to be interesting. You know, midweek trip to Portsmouth. It's a long, it's, it's a long drive. It's a long drive, James. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a team I'm... that's, again, like MK Don's kind of around them on the table. Certainly been in the playoffs the last couple of years at this level. Big club, you know, certainly been a you know, Premier League club, FA Cup winner for this. Uh, not a League One club. That fair to say? Oh no, they're, they're absolutely a League One yeah. club. They they massively <laughs> overachieved, um, and without some very dodgy dealing with Harry Redknapp, they probably oh, yeah, would never did, have yeah. got where they got to. But you know, 
take them at face value again, like you said, they're, they're playoff territory, League One. Yes, absolutely. They have this young guy called Hurst who apparently scored his first uh, professional goal uh, in <laughs> midweek. So we should we should watch out for him about four years too late. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree with you, Jeff. I think that those, those are going to be the harder games. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, again, a little bit of learned um, perspective. Wednesday seem to struggle in the games where we expect them to dominate. So, you know, crew away is not a game that you can guarantee that Wednesday are going to turn up and score four goals in. Uh, yeah. uh, so let's let's take stock. If we get if we get through the holiday season and Wednesday are, you know, averaging two from three, then then yeah, we we absolutely are where we should be uh, going into January. Hopefully, going into January, they will still be in the Pizza Cup, and it is time. James, right? Knockout, knockout tournament football. You can't beat it. The magic of the pizza cup. Uh, the magic of, uh, is it the Papa John's or the Papa John's? Papa John's. Papa John's. No apostrophe. No apostrophe, right. So mm-hmm. it's not possessive, just to yeah. be clear. It is no longer possessive. There are there are multiple Johns, I guess. Great. I mean, that, that's 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 the beauty of a franchise, I suppose. A global franchise for for the world's most average pizza. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, we, we are in the knockout rounds and we come up against Hartlepool United who Well, but, 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 but before we do that, James we have to uh, as, as we do for all of the, I know you, you're you not on uh, as often as some others but when we do the Papa John's trophy preview we have to name check a style of pizza that's better than Papa John's and like, look, we're in, we're in the we're in the nitty gritty now, right? This is uh, the serious business. It could be it's winner go home. So on the offhand, I think they'll beat Hartley Bull, to be clear. But on the offhand chance that this is our last preview, it's time. We're going, we're going to James Neck of the Woods. This preview is brought to you by Brooklyn Style Pizza. Thin crust, foldable shape, Fresh tomatoes made by a very angry Italian man one at a time from a line stretching from the uh, Brooklyn Bridge back into Manhattan, if that's your thing. The glorious Brooklyn slice. Nothing better than it. There truly isn't, Jeff. Mm. I mean, look, you know, as a as an obvious born and bred Brooklyn native living <laughs> in Queens from Yorkshire. Um, no, look, I'm, uh, I'm all in. I'll, I will defend my pizza till till the day I uh, I probably leave the borough. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the real question, Jeff, is is it coal-fired oven or wood-fired oven? Because that I, I like a coal is fire. the true difference. Yeah. Apparently, there are gas-fired ovens these days, but no. Yeah, I know. They, they, you have to be grandfathered in because... You know. so, so tell me how this format works, Jeff. Do I do I need to advocate for a type of pizza? I mean, do you no, want no, me to, we've to already go done on a monologue so, about the beauty of a Bianca pizza, or uh, or do I just... Uh, what's your, what's just your go-to? What's your go-to at the slice joint? Do you just go for the, the plain cheese? Do you like a margarita? Do you want a... Uh, uh, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, look, I'm, I'm the man who always got a lot of criticism on social media for having too much hummus in his fridge. So I mm-hmm. do like a little bit of prosciutto and arugula on a pizza. Oh, you know, that's, yeah, that's, that's an obvious kind of um, foible. Uh, no, actually, I'm, I'm pretty good with a, a little bit of meat and a little bit of hot sauce. So um, like a Diablo that's, or that's going to uh, be, that's going to be, that's going to be controversial. Not as controversial as Patty's anti-white pizza take, but. <laughs> Give me, uh, give me poorly juice, hot, hot honey down in Greenpoint. I'm oh, that's happy. not bad. It's good. Yeah, I can do that. I like a little, uh, yeah, a little hot honey, a little, uh, a little pepperoni. 
like the little the little cup little cup ones the good stuff yeah that's good actually you can skip the lines by the way apologies by going to the slice shop around the corner yes. which is uh, which is a whole lot easier good anyway. knowledge yes uh so uh, i'll be honest justin doesn't send us anything about hartleypool and since we have james on i think we're, we're going to get in the wayback machine and have james uh introduce us to another small english town what can you tell us about hartleypool james so you know there are two there are two dimensions we could take here, Jeff. We mm-hmm. could uh, we could talk about Hartlepool, the place, which is a small provincial seaside port somewhere near Newcastle on the east coast of England. Very boring. It probably once like was housed to Britain's greatest wading fleet in like the 1700s or something on those lines. Mm-hmm. It hasn't been for several hundred years, and nothing really has gone on there apart from the fact that they appointed a mascot um, based on a very very dodgy uh, historical story about flogging a monkey. So let's not go any further on that that story. Actually, I'm I'm going to go on the positive attack with Hartlepool because I'm going to talk about the last time we played them, which I'm pretty Fair. sure was the last time we played them um, in June of 2005, i.e. the playoff final when we got out of League One. Not the last time, but the time before <laughs> that, um, which was an epic day out for every Wednesdayite that made the trip down to Cardiff. And a lot of Wednesdayites made the trip down to Cardiff. Um, like, you know, we, we talk about the playoff final against Hull in 2016 and, and the atmosphere, but the the Millennium Stadium in 2005 was, was an incredible game. And, and it, it kind of reminds us of the fact that you do have to be humble at this level. We all went down there thinking it's Hartlepool. Of course, we're going to beat them. You know, this is this is a walk in the park. And in whatever it was, the, uh, you know, the late 70s minutes, was it the 80th minute when we're trailing 2-1? Um, triple substitution triple substitution Steve McLean penalty gets us into extra time was it, was it a penalty James you were there <laughs> look I, I was a long long way up in that stadium I was absolutely certain it was not a penalty it was a penalty <laughs> um, but yeah I, I've kind of got this little bit of fondness for them from that because you know they were they were actually a real test for us in, in the season or two uh, that we were in League One that time round um, we had a number of battles with them they ran us really close in that game so I kind of I've got a fondness for a club that's never really gone anywhere since, but they keep on. They dropped out of the football league briefly, didn't they? Since they're yeah, they but they they keep on they keep on coming back, right? And yeah. you know they've got a good fan base. I I'm kind of looking forward to the game somehow for, for no reason other than the fact that I feel like Wednesday have got this little bit of shared history in the early 2000s that we ought to uh, we ought to look back on with some fondness. It is you know it is the probably among the most recent fond memories in Wednesday history. <laughs> um, they they should ago. win this to be clear. Yeah. Uh, the Hartley Fools like a mid table team in league two. They it's at home. Uh, they can probably play a, a fairly strong squad. They have a fairly strong and squad. Yeah. Would I play Massimo Luongo here? I let him get a little more match fit. I wouldn't, you know, you can probably do it. Let's still a so play. He's been great. I don't know why I, I don't I don't know why he keeps not getting squad. We have we have seventeen wingers basically. I guess is the answer to that. But anyway, you've been listening to episode one hundred and fifty eight of the Owls Americast. We're on the internet at owlsamericas.com. Email the show at owlsamericas.gmail.com and find and follow us follow us on Twitter and Instagram at owlsamericas. I don't have a doc for this episode, so you can just find us at all the podcast places you normally find us at. Uh, wherever you find it, we ask you to rate and review the show. Health more Wednesday nights, find our ramblings. I forgot the part where I say the intro and bumpers. So I fell Wednesday nights forever to the makers, but now we can actually go to the end end of the show. 
James is on Twitter at Manhattan Owl. Uh, James, to make amends, uh, make amends per se, but uh, since you came out with a proper Yorkshire beer, what's the what's the best local you've had recently? The best local, i.e. Brooklyn, Queens beer? New local? York beer you've had recently. Yeah, I, I can't get back um, beyond Big Alice. Big Alice is like my go-to for, for the best quality. If it's like a New York Pilsner, they yeah. do uh, just an all they New go, York go well with a go well with a hot honey pizza. It goes it goes very cleanly with a hot honey pizza. But their their autumn rye is actually my best of the year. It was my best of last year, and it's uh, it's still up there. It's uh, it's a rye lager. It's um it's bitter. It's uh yeah. It's 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 just got everything that you would want from a clean clean beer. So, Big Alice, if you are in Queens, they've got a tiny tap room around the corner from my apartment, or they also have a tap room now down in, I think, Industry City. I need to check out the location. I'll do some promo for them on the social medias. I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro. Uh, enjoy your Thanksgiving. Drink plenty of wine. Hopefully watch two Wednesday wins, and we'll see you back here next week. 